to the Metal Bob Live Podcast. I am your host, Metal Bob. Today's show is brought to you by Legend Picks and also artist Jeremiah Kalik. You can find links to our sponsors and more at the Metal Bob Live website. There you can also find links to the latest Metal Bob gear, including shirts, hoodies, and more. On today's show, I had the honor of speaking with one of my favorite vocalists, Derek Welsh, of the band McQueen Street. We discuss how McQueen Street became a band. We also talk about the McQueen Street sampler that was mailed out when the band first got signed. And we also talk new music. So sit back, have a listen, and enjoy the show. Thank you. Hello, Derek. Hey, is this Bob? It is, buddy. How you doing? Man, I'm doing good. How are you doing? Really good, man. Appreciate your time. No, no, I'm glad to do it. You know, I'm always up for talking and, you know, someone who's got a good show and, you know, is in the business and does it, you know, it's it's what it's all about. Right on. So, hey, man, I, my first question for you, though, was, dude, could you give everybody a little uh, rundown on how McQueen Street became a band? Oh, Lord. Well, it's a... It's, Somewhat of a lengthy story, but I'm going to give you the the short end of it. I think that uh, you know, as a, as kids, we all grew up around music. Um, my dad was, you know, early on he was a musician, uh, and so I always had musicians, you know, around the house and practicing and whatnot, and just you know was just a huge fan of music from a really early age, and so was my brother. Um, I went off. To to college and started really getting into, you know, playing live. That that was kind of a big thing my freshman year. Um, and I went to school at Auburn uh, in Alabama. And my roommate was, a, you know, he, he was a keyboard player slash sort of guitar player. And we ended up, you know, starting a band in college. Uh, it was kind of a a bit of a, uh, you know, I suppose it was ridiculous at the time, but so we, we thought we were good. Uh, and, you know, so that's how I first got into it. And then as things progressed, uh, started, you know, playing a lot of cover music all over the Southeast, a lot of college gig, bar gigs, you know, kind of the same thing that every, you know, decent musician does. And then after, um, I think maybe, I don't know, one or two different cover bands we started talking about, you know, we really need to do something different, something that, you know, that's got its own thing, its own sound. And at that time, you know, the big the big thing was, was Hollywood, L.A., you know, that whole L.A. strip thing, you know, I think uh, Guns N' Roses was, had just broken around that time. You know, Motley Crue, all those bands were young bands way back then. And so that's kind of the era that we really started writing and working at it. And, you know, for, uh, it seems like two, three years, we really, you know, grinded hard to try to make that work. You know, and we were kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's not like there was a rock scene in, this, you know, in Montgomery, that's for sure. Uh, but we, you know, kept on and on, and we finally we went to uh, New York City and did a, a demo. Who <clears throat> a guy that was really a 
skilled engineer, a kid I grew up with. Uh, he kind of took us under his wing and recorded the demo, and then from there, you know, we started uh, shopping it to different labels. And that's really how we got into it. I mean, that's a very short story, but that's kind of the, the gist of it. Oh, that's great. And, I, you know, I remember uh, I remember being over at a friend's house, and uh, he went out and checked the mail, and he came inside, and he's like, dude, have you heard of these guys? And he, he hands me this little cassette tape, because it— I know when you guys first got signed, they were sending these like these uh the sample out with my religion on it. I don't know if you remember that they were th- throwing them in the uh, mailbox. Of course, yes. And, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. I saw we popped it in, and I'm just like, holy shit, man! I said, turn that up. That that bass in the beginning of my religion just blew blew the doors off the place. Yeah. I was just like, I, I, I was know. Hooked. I was hooked, man. I was like, good lord. So then, of course, you know, I had to run out and get the CD, and you know, and that, and that's kind of how I and, was first introduced well, to you guys. That's that's interesting because I, you know, it, you know, it was many years ago, but it also seems like it was just yesterday. I mean, I completely remember all of that stuff, and I remember that the sampler, and it's funny because we have a sampler CD you know, that we sell, and it is literally the sampler, which was, you know, my religion, uh, trying to think of what else was on that. If, if, it seems like there was a, one of the ballads may have been on that, I can't remember, uh, but but it's a three-song sampler. Right. And that's probably the same thing that you got. Right, it was, I think, there, I do remember there being a couple of songs on there, I think maybe Only the, Only the Wind, maybe might have been one of them, or Time, right. maybe Time. Yep. Yeah. Probably time. Would, that, time was, you know, the, the first song that people ever heard was My Religion because that we kind of got our break on uh, Headbangers Ball um, on MTV. And, you know, we had recorded the album and we, we literally had finished it around like January 1. And it took forever for it to come out. You know, they kept saying, oh, it'll be out next month. You know, and it was like the end of the summer, maybe August or something, and I was like in the shower. And of course, I always had MTV on, waiting to see if anything would ever happen. And then, you know, I heard the the intro, cow, and I knew it was my religion. You know, of course, I ran out of there, and there we were. And you know, it, it was just, uh, you know, that was kind of the beginning. Right. Yeah. When I when I listened to that. CD, which I do quite frequently still, but it's just like that song, man. You, you just got to crank that thing because it just, that thing just, it was, I know. it was recorded to be loud, man. That song was. It was. And, and, you know, a, a lot of people may or may not know this, but, but when we were, after we had gotten signed, you know, when we talked about, we're going to record the album, finding a producer was like a really big thing. And we, you know, I was a, always a fan of the Steve Stevens, who was the guitar player for Billy Idol. Right. Um, you know, and everybody knows him, you know, because he had the big, giant black hair, and, you know, him with, and then Billy Idol was on, you know, the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, with his spiky blonde hair. But but Steve heard about the band, I think from our A&R rep, and heard our demo and said, hey, I'd like to write with Derek. So I literally flew to New York City. I'd never met Steve. 
you know, I knock on his door at his apartment and you know, I was like, it was weird, but it was great. We sat down and we wrote that song, Two Worlds, which is one of the tracks on the first McQueen Street. And uh, Steve wanted to produce the band. And we we went to Atlanta and recorded three songs. And, you know, things were going really good. And then, you know, then other producers started, you know, coming around and having an interest. And we ended up going with Tom Worman, who was, you know, huge. I mean, he did Cheap Trick, Ted Nugent, L.A. Guns, Motley Crue, um, Poison. I mean, just like everybody. So Tom is, uh, you know, that all that backwards talking that's at the beginning of my religion? Right. That's, you know, I kept getting these letters that I was a sat- Satanist and that, you know, I was going to rot in the pits of hell for all that black magic I was talking about. That, <laughs> it was Tom Worman talking and he reversed it. But it was like, hey, kids, make sure you go to school. Ab- abide by your parents' rules. Don't break the law. You know, all this good kind of stuff. But he turned it backwards and it sounds evil. Right. Pretty it's pretty unbelievable. But Tom, you know, was a great producer and, and he, you know, he did the whole record. It was really a good thing that we, it, you know, it was kind of a win-win. I mean, he was such a great producer and we were a young, hungry band. It, it just kind of worked. Right. How was it working with Steve Stevens? Really good. I, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it for m- multiple reasons. And, you know, when I was in a cover band, my, my big song that I would cover and play lead guitar on was White Wedding. <laughs> you know, and so I was kind of in awe of Steve anyway as a guitar player, but he was really cool. He was funny, you know, like very normal, you know, like just a a badass guitar player, though. I mean, he, you know, and he's not a big guy. He's like short. But man, his sound and and his technique is just through the roof good. I mean, he's such a phenomenal player. So I I liked it. Not you know, I found him to be pretty creative, always pretty upbeat, always I don't think he tried to be funny, but he was. He was one of those guys. So it was it was definitely a, a big plus in my career to work with him. Absolutely. So, you know, also, I was going to ask you, so I know it was like 12 years later, and then you guys find you, you had finally gotten the rights. I think you had to fight for the rights to some of these songs so you could release that second record. Is that correct? Yes. It, you, you know, but I think the Beastie Boys had a pretty good hit. <laughs> fight for your right. <laughs> that, that, was, that was our own fight for your right, you know. But, but yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it was a, it, it was a long process. To, you know, many changes had happened with music, and right around the time we were doing the uh, second album, there was a big, you know, every band was getting dropped, rock was out, you know, Nirvana had come in. Um, I remember during uh, McQueen Street 1 era, we were touring, like, all these radio stations, and we got in a limo, and uh, that had reps said, Hey guys, I want you to listen to this and give me your opinion. And so I'm in, you know, of course in the back seat with the other guys and, you know, this song starts dance, dance, you know, I was like thinking to myself, God, man, this really, this is no good. You know, 
And uh, she said, after the song finished, what do you think? I said, well, you know, the rest of the band said, oh, they, these guys suck. You know, and I just said, well, I can't see this going anywhere. And of course it was, <laughs> boy, was I wrong. Smells like teen spirit. I mean, that changed everything. So, you know, anyway, going back to what I was saying, the, the you know, getting to the point of that second album and getting it out there and fighting, you know, for all the rights and all that stuff, it, it, it seemed like a long, hard process, really. But to finally have it out and, you know, the work that went into it was pretty, pretty big. And, you know, I'm, I'm always going to walk away proud of that album. Oh, it's a great album. I was going to, was any of those songs uh, leftovers from the first album or were they all new songs for the second record? Everything was new. Was it? Everything. See? And, it, and, and that, you know, it's, it, you know, it's a pretty dark, heavy, angry album, I, I would say. You know, that, that's kind of the, you know, there's, you know, obviously there's, you know, some ballads in there and things like that, but it's, you know, it's all stuff that really kind of the stuff that I was going through. I mean, I wrote this, that entire album. I'd rent, rented a beach house, like in the middle of the winter. I think it was in, uh, like maybe the panhandle of Florida or I, I'm pretty sure it was Florida. It was like a, a middle of the nowhere little beach house, and I literally just stayed there for two or three weeks and wrote that whole album. Nice. And that's all stuff, you know, that was whatever, either going through my head or, you know, if I came up with a riff, I'd lay it down the next day. You know, I had a little, you know, eight-track digital recorder and a drum machine and, you know, whatever, a bass and a guitar and, you know, make roughs of all the songs and then, you know, came back and we worked the things out with the band. So okay. it was, you know, it was a lot, a lot went into it. And I, you know, I definitely love that album. I think that, that, uh, sonic journey that we went on for that album was, you know, it's right up my alley. Oh, it's a great record. Yeah. Um, I just remember, you know, I, I knew that there was another album out there, but I, you know, obviously I knew it never got released and then, uh, it just, one day it just it just popped up. I don't know if I was on eBay or whatever. I was doing something and it just came up and I was like, "Oh shit." And then I'm you know, <laughs> I I ordered one and I man, I just like it was just amazing. Well, well, I I very much appreciate it. And you know, it, it it's just, you know, it's always good to hear you know what how people liked it or what they thought or, you know, I I I've never gotten tired of talking to people about music. I just you know, it's never gotten boring to me. It's there's always you can learn something from pretty much anybody that is either a in the music business or b is a big fan of music. They always have their own angle and their own story. So I, I always like to hear that. Yeah, you guys had me from the sampler, man. You, I was hooked. So <laughs> and listen, and you gotta love that because it's funny. You know when. You, when you or I say cassette, we know exactly what a cassette is. Exactly. Say cassette to some kid these days, they don't know what the hell you're talking about. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's like, they're like, what? And then I, you know, they'll say, what do you mean cassette? I'll say, you know, like an eight track. And then they'll really look at me like, what? I'm like, you know, but I mean, that's where it all came from. You know, exactly. people were like, 
you know, they're talking about their, you know, I got this, you know, and then I got the latest, you know, MP3 player, or, you know, and that's almost become irrelevant, you know. It is, yeah. You know, streaming is, I mean, everything's, you know, technology has moved things in so many ways, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about music. I mean, that's what it all comes back to, and that's, you know, however much, however many different directions, you know, fans go in or radio goes in or streaming goes in, it doesn't matter. If, if the music is there, if the song is there, the band has the right attitude and has captured that moment on vinyl or whatever you want to call it, uh, then that's really, that's the kicker. That's the thing that really is what matters. Exactly. I agree 100%. So well, good. <laughs> We're on the same page. Yes, sir. Well, Derek, uh, tell me a little bit about some of your solo stuff. I know you've got a, you've got some solo songs out. That you do some of your um, new, you some acoustic stuff, or yeah. Well, you know, I've done a lot of of different stuff over the years. You know, and I've done you know, um, you know, after the. The touring with, with McQueen Street in the early days, you know, I took a lot of years off, I, but I always kept on writing. Um, I played solo a ton, like me and a guitar, me and a piano, you know, and I've covered everything from, you know, geez, you know, Zeppelin to Bob Dylan to Elton John, you know, Queen, I mean, every kind of thing. But I've, even though I've written that much stuff, I only recorded really one bonafide solo record which I put out in I think it was 2011 maybe 2011 I think it was it was kind of southern I call it like a southern rock sort of thing I was in doing a lot spending a lot of time in Nashville um, and I was uh, a, I don't know if you remember the country guy Wayne Mills okay. that um, he was the guy that got murdered in a club a nightclub uh, country guy, this was, man, geez, it's been about, I'm thinking, seven years, maybe, eight, eight years ago, but Wayne had, out, I knew him, you know, from way back in the day, and he had asked me to uh, come and do his songwriter show called Alabama Line, and I started doing that and kind of got back into music doing live a lot, and it was just, you know, me and the guitar, and I did that, you know, every Tuesday or Wednesday night, whatever the nights were, I'd drive three hours to Nashville. And um, I, at the time, recorded a, a record, you know, and of course I was slamming it country, well, because I was involved with a bunch of country musicians, even though I'm, I, I don't think I could convince anyone that I'm country. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it is what it is, but, you know, if there were songs like Hell of a Saturday Night, Bad Water, pretty rockin', I would call it Southern Rock. And and I did it, you know, because I was enjoying writing and I was enjoying kind of stepping outside my normal bounds. But the um, that album came out, uh, like I said, in 2011. And it's, I think you can find it probably on some of the streaming services. Uh, you know, I've never really pushed it. But, uh, you know, I've, I've done a lot of stuff solo. I, I don't want to say that that's my forte because I've, I prefer being, you know, a rock guy, you know, I hand me a microphone or give me an, a Les Paul with a cranked up amp and I'm happy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm that guy. The louder, the better. 
So that brings me to my next question, man. Is is there ever a chance for another McQueen Street record? Well, absolutely. In fact, it's in the works. Oh, really? Yes. And if you haven't heard already, and there would be no way for you to know all this unless you happen to like, you know, follow the page or something. But there's a uh, a tune that no one has ever heard. Um, uh, called Outside In. Did you hear that track? I have not. Okay, check it out. And anybody that's listening, it's called Outside In. And you can get, you can hear any of this stuff, but you can go to the McQueen Street site, which is mcqueenstreet.com. And on there, I think we have a, a link. I think it says, maybe it says to listen, but it's got every single streaming service, uh, a link to it. And it's got, you know, uh, access to everything that we have out there as of right now. But going back to your initial question was, you know, is there ever going to be a record? Yes, definitely. And I'm working literally, I try to work on it, you know, weekly in between other things that I'm doing, you know, writing and getting those songs ready. And then hopefully, you know, and I hate to put an exact time frame, but I don't think three, four, five, six months up the road would be, out of the question. Okay. Yeah, I'm surprised I missed that. I, I don't miss too much stuff, so that one got by me. You know, I know, but, you know, listen, you, we all got so much going on. You know, you've got your show, you've got your life, uh, you know, and if we all, you know, I can't read everything that comes across, you know, the screen. I mean, so check it out. If you can't, for some reason, find it, I'll just send you a direct link. Okay. Yeah, and it's it's hard rock, and it is a uh, how can I put this in a nice way? Uh, <laughs> it's kind of the bit the big middle finger to the corrupt parts of the record industry. That's kind of what it is. That sounds good to me. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I figured it would, but you know, literally, that's kind of like more or less what kind of what we all have gone through if if you've been in a rock band you know and you went through all the changes of the labels and the whole corporate thing and you know everybody wants you to do what the other guy's doing and you know that there's so many stories any musician you talk to is going to probably have a could probably write a book or two on all the ridiculous things but you know, that's the, knowing that when you hear the song, they'll go, "Oh yeah, now I get it." Right on. Yep, I'm gonna have to check that out. So good uh, deal. Is there anything else that you'd like to promote at this time, or tell people where they can find you online? Uh, you know, I mean, uh, the the McQueen Street Facebook page uh, is a good way to, you know kind of keep up with things, you know, send a friend request. I mean, you know, we go through that stuff, you know, daily and try to keep up with people. Um, the McQueenStreet.com website is good. Uh, you can do a lot of search, you know, literally just get, you know, get on Google and search, you know, McQueen Street. You can search my name, Derek Welsh, uh, you know, and, and find different things. But honestly, the, the best way to keep up with, I'll call it day-to-day issues is is probably through the, the the Facebook page. I mean that's always pretty up to date and kind of can you know 
when when there's a song, you know, it could be anything from a, you know, a recently recorded track to like me sitting on, on an acoustic playing part of, you know, only the wind or time or you know whatever. Um, but it it you know I, I personally try to keep people abreast of what's going on, especially after all these years. You know, because just like you're telling me, man, I remember the day that I got the sampler. You know, we're all fans of the music in some way, you know, me included. And that's that's probably the best way. You can get on the wet, on the uh, McQueen Street site, you can get any any of the records, T-shirts, uh, you know, there's like, I don't even know, four, five, six different shirts that are out. And, uh, and you'll know when there's a new song or a new single coming up, you'll be the first to hear about it. That's great to know, man. Appreciate that. Yeah, well, I appreciate you asking, and and uh, you know, you've asked good questions and things that are, you know, I think relevant to anybody that likes, you know, music, especially rock. I mean, it all, you know, I, I didn't even ask you what 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 state are you in? I'm in Missouri. Missouri. All right. Yep. Hell, who's isn't? Uh, wait a minute. What rock band is from Missouri? Ooh, uh, uh, can't wait! Kansas City. Yeah, there's a couple up there from Kansas City. I'm trying to. Th- I I haven't been here very long. I'm actually originally from Illinois. I've been here a couple years. Um, okay, but I do know wow. a couple bands from. Uh, from is it Puddle there. of Mud from from Missouri? They might be. That that might... I think they're from. And my son was telling me, and anyway, that yeah, that if, watch the. <laughs> Watch the Puddle of Mud videos. Uh, she Hates Me. Okay. That is a McQueen Street shirt that the singer Wes Scantlin is wearing. Okay. Lit- Why do I know this? Because I was sitting at home one night and my friend calls me up. Hey, dude, are you watching, Mc- are, are you watching MTV? I said, no. He said, you might want to turn it on. I'm like, why? Just turn it on. That's what he said. <laughs> and damn it, the guy isn't wearing a McQueen Street shirt. And on the back of it, it says Stick It, which is one of the tracks off the first album. That's great. I know. Puddle of Mud. Crazy. But I think my son told me they were from from Missouri. Yeah, you might be it, right. I'd have, to, I'd have to look that up to be sure, but they, that, that, you might be right about that. Is Kansas City, Kansas City, Missouri, is that the same city in Missouri? Yes, sir. Okay, that's got to be where they're from. All right. Anyway... Yeah, there you go. That was a, a non-asked answer to a, a non-asked question that you got an answer to. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but yeah, man, you know, again, I appreciate you uh, talking to me and supporting the music. And, you know, this is like the, the number one best way to, you know, get the word out there. No, man, I really appreciate your time, Derek, man. it was uh, It's really good to talk to you, man. And I'd like to have you back on again when that new record comes out, if that'd be all right with you. Anytime, Bob. Anytime, I'm I'm up for it. You know, shoot me a message, whatever. You've got my phone number. Call me, send me a text. I try to answer everything, and usually, I pick up the phone. And you know, it, it sounds like you know what you're doing, which is, you know, sometimes well, not sometimes, always a breath of fresh air. <laughs> we'll we'll leave it at that. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Well, brother, you have a good rest of your night, man, and uh, we'll hope to talk to you soon. 
That concludes today's episode of the Metal Bob Live podcast. Please check our webpage for sponsor links and the latest Metal Bob gear. Thank you for listening. Metal Bob out.